All right, we're back for another episode. Our first one just went live. Uh, my my thought process is that we should just post every Wednesday. Um, do you feel okay with that, Spencer? Uh, yeah, for the foreseeable future, I feel that is sustainable. Perfect. We'll try to keep on this uh, this schedule then. All right, so we are going to talk about uh, strictly just the book. Um, Never Finished by David Goggins. And um, if you find yourself wanting to listen to this book, read this book, myself, I would personally recommend that you listen to it because we'll get into this today. But in chapter four, after chapter four, there's a podcast where him and his mom talk. And it's probably the coolest podcast that I've, one of the coolest podcasts I've listened to. Um, did did you really like that podcast, Spencer? That hey, you did with his mom? Yeah, I was uh, I was caught off guard that that was what was going to happen. And one of the things I want to talk about, we don't have to get into it at this moment, but uh, something he talks about right before that, um, we'll get into it. Like I said, but uh, I did find that very inspiring and very um. There's a lot of people who have podcasts or write books. They say to do these things. And most of the time, like, they're probably doing what they say. But not only, like, in the book, like, David talks about needing to have these hard conversations with people and then gives an example of a hard conversation with his mother, like, right then and there. Like, I think that's a, a very unique thing and uh, a very, I'm trying to think of, not cool, but a very um, captivating thing that he added to this book. And like you said, you have to be able to have the audiobook to be able to listen to this. And it is so worth it to be able to listen to that conversation between David and his mother. Yeah, just for them to be able to will not nah, okay willingly talk about it and um, show exactly what they sp- experienced. Because, I mean. David could talk about all these things that he uses for success to m- keep going, to never be finished. Uh, but until you hear his story, that makes you realize that he's not just trying to pretend like he knows what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. He does know what's going on and he's lived through it. And, you know, his situation was so miserable, him and his mom, and for them to be able to come out and not just be like another statistic uh, of, you know, f- not failing in life, but just not really doing a whole lot, but being able to be at the top of their game. So it's really cool. We'll, we'll get into it, of course. Um, at the, we, so for this, this podcast, we're going to talk strictly about chapter three and chapter four. Uh, so we'll get into chapter three. So the way that this audiobook runs is that he'll do the chapter and then he'll do a podcast, and then he'll do an evolution. Um, what exactly is the evolution? Do you know? Like, I think the evolution is just the practical application of okay. the chapter. I think, like, so there's a chapter read by the other gentleman. I think Adam is his first name. I have to go back and look. But uh, And then David speaks in the evolution about uh, how to apply. How to apply it. Exactly. Okay, that's what I was kind of thinking. I was just kind of trying to 
tie the word evolution to what it actually meant. So I didn't know if those two went hand in hand. But um, okay, so the first chapter that we read, or I guess starting off was chapter three. It's called the Mental Lab, and um, I really resonated with this chapter. Um, not the not the being a savage all the time, uh, but I, if you could you could correct me if I'm wrong, but savage to him is just somebody who's constantly working on themselves and has no rest days. Is that kind of what you caught from being a savage for him at least? Yeah, like he said, uh, his uh, alter ego, his savage was just Goggins. Like the normal person is David Goggins, but then his savage is Goggins. And he said that sometimes David Goggins wants to, again, I, I have to go back to, but a loose quote would be him saying that David Goggins wants to take a rest every now and then, but Goggins is just like, nope, it's not going to happen. We're going to go get this run in no matter how you feel. So, Yeah. Um... The name Goggins sounds cool, and the name David sounds, I guess I should say cool too, but the name David Goggins, that's like, that's like really him being a badass and him just being um, a total savage, at least in my mind. I think he kind of goes more towards just Goggins, but I really like the, the David Goggins part of it. I thought it was interesting in his podcast with him and his mother that his mother just called him Goggins. That, yeah, that was interesting. And uh, it also threw me off when she started cursing. And it was like... Absolutely. Yeah. When, when We should probably wait because, I mean, that was the most prominent thing. Like, that was the last thing that we listened to was mm-hmm. that podcast between them. So that's probably why it's so fresh in our mind, but also it was very captivating, like you said. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll try to wait till that. But she does curse okay. and it threw me off. But they sound... Like the way when he curses, it hypes you up. And when she curses, it also hypes you up. It's like, dang. I know. Yep. (laughs) Um, So another thing I I took from chapter three was that uh, he likes to run in unbearable conditions. And I've got two things to add to this. But um, he said he was out for a run. I can't remember the exact conditions. I think it was. I think nobody else was out. And some guy like ran up to him or drove up beside him. And the guy asked him why he was out in these conditions. And he said, because you're not. And mm-hmm. I, I can relate to this. I've got two things with this, so I'll try to talk about them. But uh, when I first started really getting into running, and I would be back in my hometown of Atomwa, actually both of our hometowns, uh, when it was 100, 100 degrees out, I wanted to go on a run. And the reason for that was I wanted to test to see if I could actually do it. I wasn't really doing it to prove anybody else wrong or to for somebody to see me out on the run and be like, oh, wow, he's really out here getting it. Like, I didn't care about that. I just genuinely wanted to see if I could endure the pain of not just running three miles like I regularly did, but to see if I could do it in the miserable heat. And, you know, I mean, it was tough to do it when I was running, but then when I would finish, I would get these chills of, I don't know how to explain it. It, it, was, it was really fun to be able to do. And even though it sucked on the run when I would finish, I just felt really super good. And so I can kind of relate with him in that way. But yeah, no, uh, that sounds, I don't know if I have an example of like that in regards to training, but I could definitely imagine after like a tough workout and especially in like the 100 degree heat, being able to accomplish that, like those endorphins running through you, I'm sure were just amplified. Oh, yeah. And then um, 
something that kind of goes along with this is I saw Michael Michael Phelps talking about his training, and everybody knows he's a great swimmer. But uh, when he would show up to practice with his trainer or his coach, uh, his coach would just like throw random stuff at him. So like, not like physically, but just. So I guess an example would be where he would get in the water and he'd do swimming, and then his trainer would take his goggles, throw them on the ground, and then step on them and smash them. So then it would shatter him, and he wouldn't have any goggles to be able to use for the rest of the the, the practice. And uh, another time would be where he would say, his trainer would say, okay, I want you to fill your goggles with water, put them on, and I want you to swim and do this workout. And Michael Phelps was obviously like, what the heck, but started to realize why he was doing it. And then in one of the Olympics where he ended up winning the most gold medals, I believe, out of anyone uh, for the first time ever, uh, on going into his last race, when he dove into the water, his like right or left goggle came open and water rushed inside and it had filled his goggles with water and he had to swim that final race uh, to try to win that final gold to be the first person ever to do that. And uh, if he had not trained in those situations, in the unbearable situations like David does, then you're not ready for every situation that can be thrown at you. And it just makes you better anyway. So like he could count his strokes down to, he would be able to count how many strokes he could do in one length of the pool on whatever certain like breast strokes or freestyle. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool that it kind of relates in that way, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's a great example. And I had, uh, first point that I had that he, he talks about in the part of the book with the mental lab and him preparing and knowing each day what uh, he was going to be okay with. Like he said in his uh, SEAL training, the logs are the log PT where they have to put the logs over the head and then move them from shoulder to shoulder. Like he oh, was yeah. okay with that. So he was, but then he'd focus on the other things that might come up, whatever training evolution was scheduled for that day and things he's not as good at and how to mentally prepare himself for when that, uh, not so great time came and how he could uh, overcome that adversity. And one of those quotes was, uh, dreams die while suffering. And I just found that very interesting how, I mean, that's, I think everybody has experienced, you know, you're in the comfort of your bed and you're about to go to sleep. And that's when you kind of feel, I, for me, sometimes that's when I feel the most motivated to do things <laughs> is when I'm about to go to bed. And then it's the next day, even just getting up earlier. And then that alarm clock happens and goes off and you start to suffer. It's like, oh, I'm tired. And it's like, you know what? I guess my dream to get up earlier really wasn't that uh, intense as a, of a dream as I initially thought of. But I think uh trying to have the wherewithal to put yourself in that situation ahead of time so when it actually does come time to complete that training evolution or to get up earlier or to take that cold shower uh you're more prepared and more ready to uh endure those hard times and to remember why you're enduring that versus uh just trying to go into it without that uh prior preparation yeah i think you know, we need to try to experience more of those. He kind of calls them one second decisions uh, mm -hmm. when you have to put yourself in more of those situations to be able to uh, 
know what it's like, you know, to wake up early or whatever you're trying to do, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So another thing he talks about is when you want to give up, think of like, think for just a moment how your life will play out if you do quit. And he did, the, the good part about David is that some, he said that sometimes, you know, it's okay to give up. Like if you're not genuinely meant to do something or you're absolutely not prepared, um, he did say that, if I remember correctly, <laughs> it is okay to give up, but a, a good fuel to keep yourself going is to think about what your life would be if you did give up. So when you're trying to wake up early and instead of just waking up and be like, I do not want to do that. I'm so tired and going back to bed, you know, take a second out of your, how many ever thousands of seconds you get in a day to just think about what my life will be like if I do not do this and what is my plan B? Like if I'm not going to be this person that I want to be, or if I don't think I can achieve this, what is my plan B? And sometimes it's just that we don't take that time to think about what our life will turn out like or what it would be like if I didn't do it. And so we're just so quick to say, ah, I'm just going to go back to bed or whatever in that situation. Yeah, that was uh, the second thing I had, which just a supplement off of you. Uh, he says, in those one-second decisions, if you like decide to quit in that one second, like all it takes is that one second you lose the battle for one second, then you lose the whole day. So there's, like, I think, uh, if I heard them correctly, 8,400, 84,000, my apologies, 84,600 seconds in a day. And all it takes is you for you to lose the battle for one second, and I could just completely change the outcome. And I thought that was uh, quite powerful. But it's also something uh, important to keep in your mind when you are enduring. It was, uh, it was difficult times to keep that in the back of your mind and to understand why you're there and why you uh, want to keep going and to uh, conjure that motivation to continue. Yeah, and, and you have to want to be there and you have to want to do it. When he was talking about the SEAL training and taking those one seconds, the, the one second to be able to, you know, not give up, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, yeah, but then five minutes later, you're going to be thinking... I don't want to do this anymore. And it's like, it's not just the one second out of the day, at least in my head, it's a constant battle. But then I thought, okay, I don't actually want to become a Navy SEAL. So I probably would give up. But when it is something that you want to do, like for him, it was wanting to become Navy SEAL. For Mm -hmm. me, it could be, I want to run a marathon. I want to run the Boston Marathon. And so that one second decision could be, I just got done working eight or nine hours. I really don't want to go on a run right now, but I do want to be a runner. I do want to run a marathon. I do want to run the Boston Marathon. So in that case, I could get myself to be like, okay, take one second to just think, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to put my shoes on, put my uh, shorts on, and I'm just going to go for a run because that's something that I want to do. So he does talk about you have to really want to do it. And I guess it kind of, helped me realize that, you know, it's not going to be an ongoing battle of every second wanting to quit because, you know, for me, I don't want to be a Navy SEAL, but I do want to be a runner. So it's easier to apply when it's something you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Let's see. Oh, I really liked when he said this. It was in Evolution 3. He said, your pain will end someday. And 
I think about this often, and I talk to my sister about this, my younger one, because um, she's starting to get into working out and has really been interested in, in that within the past month. And mm. uh, I said that, you know, if you quit, it, like the longest you're going to work out in a day, at least for somebody who's just regularly works out, would be like an hour, maybe two hours. But if you if you just endure that pain for that hour, and it's not even the constant hour, it's like, you know, you're just lifting weights, sometimes you have rest times and whatnot. But if you just mm-hmm. endure that pain for an hour, and then you're done for the day. But if you quit, that that pain is going to last all day. And you're going to have to deal with not doing the, the, the thing or the pain that would only last you an hour. But now you have to wait. Now you have to do it, deal with it the whole day or the whole week. So, um, I like when you said that your pain will end someday, so might as well just keep going and end it when you want to, I guess. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's a great point. Let's Definitely, see. I resonate with that a little bit. Like in boot camp for the Marine Corps, um, a lot of the sayings was just, I think like what the recruiter told us and other people have gone through before, it was just like take it chow to chow or meal to meal. So it was just basically don't think about when you're suffering, if you think about everything, like you have like 13 weeks left, 12 weeks left, 11 weeks left, like that's a long time ahead and that's going to bring you down. But if you just, if your goal is just, okay, I made it through breakfast, now I just have to survive and then I get lunch and then I have to survive and then I get dinner and then I go to bed. And I think that mentality helps out quite a bit is just not necessarily forgetting about the long-term goal and understanding why you're there, but just, uh, breaking that up to not overwhelm yourself when you get to those points of suffering. I think it's unique that you have that point of view. Now, obviously David was in the the military and so were you. So I'm sure you guys share similarities, obviously more than I would, but um, it is cool that you have that. You've, you've experienced that before to just try to just make it to the next time that you get to eat or the next time you get to go to sleep or anything like that and i'm sure that there's maybe some things in my life where i could apply that but it's unique that you get to have that it's kind of cool um podcast six talked about heart rate zones which (laughs) Mm. i'm a nerd for because i have my heart rate monitor (laughs) and i love that so much so i train in my heart rate zones but then he started talking about mental zones and you know heart rate zones when you're in that that highest heart rate let's say it's one through five and five is the hardest you mm-hmm. can't train in that level five forever and when you are in mental zone five you can't be in that that zone for very long it's just way way too exhausting so one thing he said was to to use the one second decision to cool yourself down and just realize that you're in this situation and to try to take your zone five down to a zone two. And you can do this by prepping in the morning with having a, a morning meeting with yourself um, to, to think about what you could go through all in a day. Like for you, you know, when you were going through basic training and when he was going through buds and other situations, if you could have used that Monday morning meeting or not Monday morning, but morning meeting with yourself to think about everything you could go through it will help you when you get to those zone five of the mental to bring it down to a zone two i thought that was kind of cool yeah no absolutely i think that's a the morning meeting is i would say critical to being able to accomplish those day-to-day tasks 
especially when you know it's going to be a stressful day, I think it's almost crucial that you have a, a, a meeting with yourself. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. going to have a big day at work, there's no way that you wouldn't have a meeting. So yep. if I was going to have some higher ups that don't regularly exist in my school or that are not usually at my school and they were going to be coming to watch my school, I know for sure that my principal would call us all to a meeting at the start of the day and say, hey, here's what's going to happen. Here's what we expect out of you. And I think you need to do that with yourself. And I rarely ever talk to myself at the start of the day and think about how my day is going to go. I usually at the end of the day will reflect on it and, you know, ask myself what I'm worried about or what can I fix and all of that. But I think a morning meeting would be crucial. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else from chapter three or any of the podcast and evolution that follows? No, the next thing that I have is right before his podcast with his uh, mother. So I would like you to, if you have anything else to say before we dive into that. Um, I've got chapter four, like it's called a savage. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. From, I have something in chapter four and it was right before his podcast with his mom. So I know okay. we wanted to make sure we talk about that. But if you have anything prior to that, then I'll let you uh, talk about that first. Okay, I'll talk about chapter four then. It's called A Savage Reborn. And um, uh, I don't have much written for this one. I'll talk about... Uh, I, there's a really cool quote that he said. He said, why hope it will end soon when you know it will end eventually? And there's kind of two things to that. Where why waste any of your mental capacity wondering or hoping that it will end soon and just focusing on the task on the task uh, when you could just know that it's going to end at some point and just focus entirely on trying to make it through, I guess, if it's a terrible situation, trying to make it through that. And I thought that was kind of cool. I can't remember exactly what else he had to say with that, but does that... Um, spark any thoughts in your head from what we read yeah i do remember him talking about like not wanting to waste like your mental energy which i think is good because again like especially with like when he talks about i'm not saying because a lot of the days uh we're not suffering as near as much as like david goggins is when he's describing <laughs> some of like the things that he's going through but i think it's just like for those days or like when you have those things it's tough to realize in the moment but a lot of those a lot of the bad things that happen into our lives really shape who we are and i think having the bad things happen allow us to really appreciate when good things happen so i think i'm just adding to i think it's important to not want the suffering to end soon but when it's but when the task or when the workout or when the job is complete I think that afterwards you can reflect more positively on the fact that you finished it, whatever that thing is in its entirety. And I think that that is uh, something that will help build you up even more. Yeah. Did he, did he talk about how sometimes he wishes that the things he were going through was worse? Like when he's having a hard time, he kind of, he's like, he said something about, he almost wants it to be, even harder did he did he say that he might have that's something that i could definitely uh, imagine (laughs) him saying but i can't remember or recall specifically him saying that at least in this part Hmm. yeah 
I can't remember either. I was going to talk about it, but I'm reading another book right now, and I can't remember if these two things are kind of clashing together. Gotcha. So I won't comment much on that. But all right, what do you have to say about uh, before that podcast? So this talking, one thing he mentions is that there's a lot of times when we would rather talk about somebody behind their back when they're not performing at a level you need them to perform at, or just in general, just talking about somebody and then not help them try to get better. And David said that he would rather somebody like not like him but help him try to perform and get to that next level versus try to be friendly with him by not saying things. Like, for example, like if you were, I, th- I can't remember exactly, because I remember this was definitely in his other book as well. He mentions this about how if someone's out of shape, what kind of friend are you? <laughs> or if it comes to the point where it's affecting that person's health, if you're just trying to make them feel good, but you don't want to actively participate in the make them healthier versus if you were more forceful and trying to help them become a healthier person. Like he says he would rather somebody like hate him, but make him better versus be friendly to him, but not try to make him feel better. So um, he said that it's important to have tough conversations with people, but by having those tough conversations, then it's going to make both people better. And I think then that leads into uh, what he says is one of the toughest conversations he's ever had between him and his mom in that uh, last podcast. It's really hard to do that, to have those tough conversations. I mean, I'm sure you being in the military and before you got out of the military, you were higher up and you had to be in charge of other people and have tough conversations or maybe the tower at now you've had some tough conversations and as a teacher i frequently have tough conversations not that it's life or death or anything even close but having those tough conversations is really difficult to do because you don't want to be the bad guy and when it's your friend sometimes it's hard to do that because you don't want to lose that friendship or you don't want to think that somebody's um I guess I don't want somebody to think that I don't like them, but I, I do want to help people, and uh, it's it's hard to not be that bad guy sometimes. But you you have to have those difficult conversations because it, I think it's like discomfort is where growth happens. I think I've heard mm-hmm. some sort of quote like that. And so, if you want to get better, you have to have difficult conversations. And I think a lot of times, at least for me. I always think worst case scenario, but I fail to realize that what if there is a great, the, the the best case scenario happens where I have that tough conversation and it really does hit them hard and they don't hate me for saying it. And they, in a month or a year are like, I really appreciate that you actually were able to tell me that and now I'm better because of it. So sometimes it's really difficult, but I'm very happy that we got to listen to David and his mom talk, which we can go ahead and talk about now. But it, David talked about how he had like chills down his spine listening to what his mom had to say, but him and his mom kept good composure the entire podcast. And it didn't seem like it was a tough conversation, even though he talked 
very much so that it was a very tough conversation. Yeah, and also just to add in on the like being able, not necessarily be the bad guy, but sometimes you have to be. But I think it speaks a lot of the person who is being criticized if they can respect where that person is coming from. Because a lot of people can be told, hey, you need to like either get your act together or to do this to become a better person. And some people are just going to be, oh, you are, you're purposely just trying to be mean to me. But I think it, says something about somebody who recognizes that and realizes that that person is not out to get them and not out to just be mean for the sake of being mean. And you don't have to like, be mean to get your point across, but just to like be critical. But they're, they're doing it because they want you to succeed. And I think if people can see that, then I think that they will uh, respect you even more because of it. So, I've heard good advice on how to start difficult conversations. Um, Especially like when it's with like a spouse or whatever. Not that I have one of those, but uh, when you have to have a difficult conversation, and I've done this at school before, where I've said, um, "This is a, this is going to be a difficult conversation because I don't want to come off in this, in this way." And uh, I found that using that line to start it off, because then it it says like, "I don't want to have this conversation, but I want things to be better between us, or mm-hmm. I want the situation to be better." So. That's some advice that I've gotten, and it it works. So, um, yeah, and you kind of have to be careful. I guess you have to know your audience with who you're talking to as well. So, absolutely, so yeah. Pick I think, your uh, word. Pick your words wisely. Yeah, the approach that you person is going to be slightly different, but I think that's what makes you a good leader, or especially for a teacher, you have to lead the class. I think being a good teacher, recognizing how different students are going to handle those conversations. So, absolutely. Definitely, there's some where I can't call them out in class because they will absolutely shut down. And there's others where I can, and they need that. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm like specifically trying to embarrass them, but sometimes they just react better, and yeah, you know, realize okay, he is calling me out, and yes, it's in front of the class, but that's kind of what I needed. And some people just can't handle that, which mm-hmm. I totally get because I don't, I don't know where I would fall. But <laughs> anyway, so um. Yeah, it really threw me off guard when, because tell me what you think, but is the the guy who reads it, is his name Nick? We got to look this up. It's, I'm looking it up right now. It's Adam something. Adam Skolnick? Adam Skolnick is the yeah, main right. speaker of the book. I thought that he was talking to Adam Skolnick, and I was like, oh my gosh, what is he going to tell Adam? I don't know if you if you had that thought, but then his mom started talking, and I was like, oh, "Okay, he's going to talk to his mom." Yeah, no, I was uh, I was just about to my parking space at work when he said he's going to have this tough conversation, and then I hear his mom start talking. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> I was it caught me way off guard, but then I had to uh, I had to rewind a minute or two so I could listen to the whole thing, and then I had to go into work, so I had to wait until. Uh, I was done with work on my drive home to listen to it. But then I almost, I actually kind of forgot that it was going to be between him and his mom. I knew, I was like, I was excited to continue to listen, but I forgot exactly where I was. So then when I started my car up and it started playing on the way home and her voice started speaking again, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is exciting to be able to hear what these two could uh, talk about. I felt the same way. I was about 10 minutes away from work 
and the pod like the I started the podcast not knowing how long it was going to be. And then um I heard him say, This is gonna be a tough conversation. And then I heard his mom talk and I was like, Oh my gosh. So I immediately went to Audible and figured out how long it was. And I think it was around thirty minutes. Yes. And I myself i am not going to stop this halfway through i am just going to pause this and i will listen to this when i can listen to it in its entirety and that's what i did so i'm I'm very glad that i did that i listened to it on the way home actually because um i was talking to my dad on the way to work and so i only had about 10 15 to 10 minutes to be able to do that so it's fresh in my brain i loved hearing his mom talk and she pumps me up just as much as David does. But um, it was mainly just about their struggles and how they saw things and how theirs was very similar, their experiences. And then when they talk about Trunus's experience, Trunus Jr., and how mm. he didn't really experience it that way. But I'm sure people have heard that you have flight, fight, or freeze. And it's very interesting how all three of them had different um, responses to that trauma that they were going through and how they all experienced each one of those, which is interesting, of course. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And then I know we don't have to get into too much detail about the specific conversation. Just if people want to hear all the details and David's first book, Can't Hurt Me, that goes into great detail about his childhood. But there was a lot of suffering. There's a lot of bad things that uh, mainly were perpetuated from his father. And so, uh, yeah, David, his brother, and his mother all experienced uh, these things and interpreted them in uh, different ways. And I know David says, and I don't know if, it's, if he talks to his mom about this, but I know he mentions... In general, his uh, brother Trunus Jr. he feels has like blocked out part of the bad things that their father did to them because he later on or was still kind of accepting at the minimum of his father, while David and his mother were uh, not definitely feel the uh, same way as his brother did. Yeah, uh, listening to his mom talk. And how, not to get into too much detail, but when she would get hit with the belt from Trunus, um, and how she just trained herself to be em- emotionless, because mm-hmm. after that, um, she she talked about how when Trunus's uh, Trunus's Jun- Junior's daughter was murdered, and when some other people were passing away, and she was just emotionless and. Uh, David asked her why and she explained that she didn't want to have any emotion because any emotion that she showed could potentially call for another beating from Trunus and Mm -hmm. she trained herself to not have that emotion even when she was getting hit with the belt she would not cry would not show any emotion and I feel like that the way that she did that and her ability to be able to do that was passed down to David. Not that he saw her getting, you know, beat with the belt and showing no emotion, but just to fight through the situation. I'm, I feel like that, you know, David gained that from her 
because he's able to fight through any situation. And so it was interesting how I feel like I made the tie between her doing that, her ability to do that, and his ability to um, just get through any situation. No, yeah, I don't think he could have said it better. Absolutely. So, a lot of good stuff in that podcast. Honestly, if whoever's listening, if you want to get the book and you just listen to that podcast, well, I think you would need to know the backstory because it, it really is good information to, to know the book Can't Hurt Me because, like Spencer said, he explains it all very well there. And you kind of think, how could there be anything else? And then you listen to the podcast with him and his mom and you find out there was infinitely more things that she had to go through yes and just i can't even imagine escaping from the person that you're terrified of only to then be driving away and your car breaks down and to feel like that your only option is to then go back i can't imagine that and i hope that i never have to go through that and i hope a lot of people don't have to go through that because that just unfathomable for me so i can't really go much more in deep detail on it Mm -hmm. well do you have anything else that you would like to add about this podcast or like the one that we listened to with him and his mom or the rest of the chapters we read um just to tie it all together with that conversation david talks about speaking things out so that you don't become a prisoner to them. So I think for both him and his mother, being able, I mean, they've both talked about it, maybe to themselves, maybe to each other, maybe to their friends or other family members before, and they did it again on this podcast, but being able to speak things out helps you to not become, what David says is to become a slave to that, or become a prisoner, I should say, to become a prisoner uh, to that idea or to those Uh, bad times and uh, so I think that's important for anybody in general just to not bottle things up but to be able to find a way to speak it out even if it's to yourself so that way you don't let that uh, situation or past thing uh, continue to take hold of you Um, I totally agree with that I wouldn't say I've gone through many catastrophic things in my life, and I'm very, very thankful for that. I have gone through some other things where it's been difficult for me to deal with. And, you know, you don't have to speak to anyone else about it. I think it will help if you talk to the right person. But just speaking it out, even if you're in your room by yourself, maybe you set up a camera so then you can pretend as though somebody listened to it. But just getting it out of your body uh, will help you a lot. And like I said, haven't gone through a whole lot, but I've gone through some breakups and some other things and, you know, everything's relative. So it was painful for me at the time. No, absolutely. And it may not be painful for other people who have gone through more treacherous things, but speaking to people about it, speaking, just saying the words I genuinely believe will help you. And David talks about that as well. And a story that I've heard is, it's kind of just like a little, not silly story, but there's like two people who were prisoners to someone. And both of them were finally released at some certain date. And they'd been in prison for a while. Maybe not in prison, but just held captive or whatever. And 
one person completely forgave the person who did it to them, not saying you have to forgive, and then one the other person never forgave them. And so that person that forgave or just came to terms with it got to live their life and live the rest of their life being happy that they were out and lived a good life. And the other person who died never forgiving the person that did the things to them or never coming to terms with it theoretically stayed in prison for the rest of their life. And so I think that transfers to this. I think that you you have to come to terms with it, not saying you have to forgive. I don't want to... There's very severe situations where you may feel like you can never forgive. Totally get that. But I think you need to be able to come to terms with it and uh, get it out of your mind because if you don't, it will keep you a prisoner forever. Yeah, I kind of said that better myself. I think that's a great way to interpret that. All right. Well, um, I've really enjoyed talking with you about these chapters here. Um, definitely going to keep on taking notes because it helps just... There's just something about being recorded and that makes me forget a little bit. I, I listened to it all and I loved it, uh, but just just that little element of knowing that I'm recorded throws me off. So I got to make sure I keep on taking notes. But well, it's definitely I've enjoyed a chatting. lot of... No, I've enjoyed chatting with you too. I'm sorry I cut you off, but I just you're wanted good, you're to... You're good. You're good. Just saying that there's a, there's a lot of content. There's a lot of things and it's not like... It's not all some heavy subjects that he brings up. So it's definitely, it's not easy to be able to discuss everything or to be able to remember and, everything. And it clearly is not a traditional audiobook or book in general because mm-hmm. then he starts talking about other things and he doesn't go on tangents, but sometimes it's hard for me to relate the, the title of the chapter to what he's talking about. And so that's why it makes it even better that we get on here and we talk to each other about it so that we can break down exactly what he's trying to say. Absolutely. I agree. All right. Well, um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and end this. I don't, how did we end it last time? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, it was nice chatting with you and uh, thanks for chit-chatting with me, Spencer. Yeah, we'll talk to you next week.